No more Mr. Nice Duck. Drop that zero and get with the hero. <laughs> Excuse me? Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And now, ladies and gentlemen, any further questions? Bar, yeah, please. For the first one who buys one, right? Ah. Souvenirs, novelties, party tricks. Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Rusted Junk, where we'll be looking at Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, starring Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Steve Martin and Michael Caine are competitors in the Riviera's most profitable business, but with very different styles. Do you have any idea what it feels like to take a woman for 20 bucks? No, I haven't. I'm afraid it's a little out of my class. Can two con men survive in a town really made for one? Really? We find a woman, set a price, and the first man to extract the correct amount from her wins. Wish me luck. Let the contest begin. If I lose, I'll leave. If I win, you leave. To prove once and for all who is the dirtiest, the rottenest. Who is this? The sleaziest, the sneakiest, the phoniest, Thank you, your the trickiest. Don't you ever have an emotion that originates above the waist? No! The all-time champion of dirty, rotten scouts. Surely he was no match for you. I'm younger than you, better looking than you, thinner than you. Know your limitations. You are immoral. Steve Martin is the man no woman can resist. Eat your food. May I go to the bathroom first? Of course you may. Thank you. And Michael Caine is... Lawrence Jameson. Chips Auto. Doctor. Emil Schaffhausen. And they're both dirty, rotten scoundrels. Shh. Do you want the whole world to know? Dirty, rotten scoundrels. You mustn't turn your back on them for a second. Okay, that was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, um, with a bit at the end that wasn't actually in the film. Mm. Yeah, so obviously you you listen to this, you don't see it, but do go and check out the trailer uh, on YouTube, because it has a bit in the end where Michael Caine and Steve Martin are walking down the the edge of the, uh, uh, the seafront in the Riviera, Michael Caine pushes a kid's candy floss into his face and Steve Martin pushes an old lady into the sea. <laughs> Um, that's not in the. Uh, that's that's not in there. But anyway, I digress. Do go and do go and check it out. If you're going to go and watch it, then at least watch the trailer beforehand. Should, do we say that's always the case? Should should we always? Well, definitely not with Prancer. No, d- yeah. Well, no. You'd I oh, actually, actually no with watch, the, watch the trailer. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's such a contrast. Prancer for all our followers. We have followers. No, I yes. think yes, we I have know. followers. So I looked we at the are stats. on that thing called social media. Uh, well, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you can get us on Facebook. Yeah, uh, on Twitter. Twitter at, at Rusty J Pod on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, absolutely, Facebook. and Instagram. Twitter, Instagram. Are we on anything else? Uh, no, that's about it. Do we need anything that's else? It for now? No, I, I think that's enough, really. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about Pinterest, but it was like, 
Well, we're not really like needle workers or... Or Etsy. <laughs> or selling anything yeah, crafty. Exactly, yeah. Not, not, well, we are a bit crafty, <laughs> but, but still. Anyway, um, to our followers... Uh, hello. Hello, and happy... Well, I was about to say Happy New Year. You don't... Well, it is for us, but depending when you're listening, well, still have a happy year. Well, yeah, I just hope you have a happy year. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Should we just leave it at that? Because yeah. I think the cut-off point should be the first day back at work. And and pretty much get the Happy New Year's out of the way in the first hour yeah, and don't funny, mention it? it again. When do you stop doing that? Well, like on emails. Happy New Year! Some people are still... Happy New Year. Some people did it on today. Some people said Happy New Year to me today. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not I, being I, funny, it's the 8th. Yeah, it's still New Year. <sighs> some people have returned back like two days ago. Anyway, anyway, I digress. <laughs> if you do follow us on Twitter and Facebook, we will post links as to where you can actually watch this film, if you can stream it, or whether or not you have to buy it, or whether or not you've got a copy of it. If you're a diehard fan, if you're that kind of person that goes, oh, I've been dying to hear a podcast about Prancer or Iron Eagle, <laughs> and I've had it rustled away or whatever, then that is fantastic. I dare say you can buy these for like, they do the thing on Amazon where you buy it for a penny and pay £1.27 postage. I, I, I haven't what? I haven't looked. Do you, have you not seen that? No. So if, if I wanted to go and buy Iron Eagle on Blu-ray, it would be like 50p. And then you pay £1.27 postage because you buy it from somewhere like Music Magpie, which is like second-hand place for those who don't know in the UK. Because we do have listeners not not in the UK, which is we great. We do. Absolutely. Anyway, Music Magpie is kind of like an exchange thing whereby you take it, they say, fine, I'll give you, uh, you know, 40p for the for the disc. Oh, God. Well, I'm not saying that Iron Eagle's quite cheap, but what I'm saying is you can pick this up. <laughs> I dare say, I'll, I'll have a look at that and put that in the next... We're always learning, you see, and if we find... It's a, a journey. Exactly. And when we promote <laughs> the podcast and when we put it out there, we will put links there if we found it for a penny somewhere where you can just go and buy it because it's always more entertaining when you actually see these films i don't know if people just listen to us and go do you know what i just like hearing you two witter on and go into different directions or whether genuinely you're going right what they're doing next are they going to give advance notice are they going to put it on the twitter page can i buy it in time before i listen to it i like to think that that's the kind of caliber of Mm. of people we've got well do you know what we have actually got a request We've got a request. We have a request for a, re- a film to review. What, to, to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> no, for a okay. film. All right, okay. An 80s film. Okay. Now, some of you might know it, some of you might not. I think I might have only watched it once. Okay. The Flight of the Navigator. Uh, uh, so yes. thanks to Neil for that suggestion. Oh, wait a minute. Flight of the Navigator was Fred Savage. He was the kid out of Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I used yes. to like watching that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we, well, we, I, I believe we did ask for requests before, so yeah. it's great that we've had a request. Does it qualify? Well, well, I remember it, but then again, I remember most things. I mean, I remember Michael Keaton and Mr. Mom. Do you, do you know all about that? No, see? No. Uh, and so, <laughs> Sorry, well, blank you, looks you don't, don't need, transfer well on radio. You don't, need, you don't need a, <laughs> a vivid imagination to see what man's face was like at that time. It was basically <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yes, Michael Keaton, before he came Batman, starred in a lot of good 80s. Is that before 80s Beetlejuice? Films. Yeah, before Beetlejuice. 
There's films like The Squeeze, Mr. Mom, um, whereby he had to look after the kids. Oh, yes, in the 80s. He had to, the dad had to look after the kids. Shock horror. Very dated now. Um, spoiler alert, it copes well. He also starred in a film called Gung Ho, whereby he had to go over to a Japanese factory in order to um, learn from their working environment. Um, to say it's not now culturally appropriate. <laughs> Sounds great. It's really not. I mean, it's really. Uh, I mean, some films of the eighties do stamp themselves purely of that time, and then when you watch them, they don't make a lot of sense. Hmm. Gung Ho is definitely one of them. Anyway, that may appear later. But thank you very much. Who was it, Neil? Neil. Yes. Neil. Thanks very much, Neil, for the. Uh, oh, always appreciates uh, suggestions. Anyway. And if you want shout out, let us know. Yeah, just just contact us at Rusted J Pod. We'd love it if you contacted us. We need to do a lot more, but as I say, we're learning with this. You know, if there's like a flurry of activity and then nothing, I need to learn that I need to do more, a, bit, a little bit every day, mm. um, and maybe warn people. Is it warn is the right thing. <laughs> warn them there's a podcast coming. <laughs> yeah. Announce, I think, is, is the Announce, right term. Announce, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I need to warn you. <laughs> Anyway, let's get back to this film. Oh, this yeah. um, this is a great. I, I mean, this is a great film. I, I have a very very fond memory of this. Um, it's the first time I have watched this film. Well, it's the first time you're going to watch a lot of these <laughs> films. That's true. But, but, but considering the caliber of actors, yes, they have in this. Well, I'm, I wouldn't say that you you've been a wild Steve Martin fan. I mean, you do laugh when I quote you a bit of Steve Martin, like Pointy Birds from The Man with Two Brains. Um, I'm not overly. Yeah, but you still, you were still a fan of. You, no, I think you it's weren't the way a fan you, of. You were. Is it the way I do? What, the way you I'm do better it, than Steve Martin. <laughs> so, sorry, Steve, if you're listening to this. But yeah, things like airplane, that kind of thing, doesn't really. I just find it a little bit laboured. Ladies and gentlemen, you're learning a little bit more about uh, <laughs> man's pitching, and you're going to wonder. Wait a minute, when you had the idea to do an eighties film blog, when she doesn't really get eighties films, did you pick her? But this wouldn't work without her, and I love having her here. So oh, anyway, Dirty Rock Scandals, you. Steve Martin. We would, you may say, at the top of his game. Ah, and it's a Frank Oz film. Yes, directed by Frank Oz. Yes. He did some Muppets. He actually, as well as doing the voice for Kermit the Frog and the voice for Yoda, um, he was a director and people forget that. I didn't know that. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. That annoy Amy. And when you look at the films that he did, um, I'm just going by memory here, The Dark Crystal. I think he did The Dark Crystal. And he think The Muppets Take Manhattan. He did that one. So you look at the types of films he's doing and then suddenly somebody goes, oh, do you want to go and record a comedy set in the French Riviera uh, based on a, a 1940s film called Bedtime Story? I'd be like, Frank Oz is your man. And, and, <laughs> Unless but, they thought, yeah, he's used to working with Muppets. Ah, very good. Were you saving that gag up? No. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> right, we're in 2020 <laughs> and man's already used up a quota of two jokes a year. So that's You're it. You're so mean. That's it, though. <laughs> but that's the. Uh... Anyway, right. Do you want scandals? Um, I, I've got to say, I watched this um, on my on my own, but not on my own. You watched it with me. No, I, originally when it came oh. out, I watched it in the Regal Cinema in Oswestry, which is where I had some of my teenage formative years, where I was moved to, 
Um, and nobody really knew what to expect. Um, so what was happening is um, I went there and the cinema was packed, but I was on my own. Um, and I just remember not knowing what to expect. Um, I don't think any of us did. Um, and the laughter was was just throughout the film. It was one of those films whereby you you know you would swear it's like an airplane film because it was just gag after gag, mm. and it doesn't appear that when you watch it. No, but it just it just bubbles bubbles along with enough funny scenes in it. I mean, I guess people laugh at different things now. I guess Michael Caine's trying to teach teach him etiquette and things like that. Some things don't land as much now, but mm. in the eighties, it just seemed to be one of those great films. So, yeah, and the bits that people you yeah, know there were bits, there are actual bits and scenes in the film where people were just in tears of laughter and I was namely the the wheel, wheel, wheelchair and the whip scene <laughs> we had oh that god sound. that's just I mean that's amazing. just great because it's it's Steve Martin that carries that the whole thing because it's just anyway we, we will get to that um, so yes we have Michael Caine we also have um, Anton Rogers in this um, who, I re- who I really like and for those who don't know who Anton Rogers is he starred in a very popular UK sitcom called Fresh Fields. Um, I can't remember, weirdly, I can't remember what the plot of it was. Was it he He was an older man going out with a younger woman? Was he? I think so. Or were they just married? I can't remember. Sorry, you don't need to... Well, you could look that up. But anyway, Anton, Anton Rogers is in there. I think they were just married. He plays the police chief of a fictional town called Beaumont-sur-Mer, uh, which is actually... Oh, it's fictional, is it? It's a fictional place. It's a real place, oh. but it's a fictional name. Yeah, it's Beaumont-sur-Mer, I think, is the actual place. They just had to change the name of it slightly. Um, anyway, we... So what did you think of it? Sorry, before we go into the film itself, what did you think of it? What's the overall impression that you got from it? I thought it was a really good film. I loved the ending. Hmm. Really loved the ending. Because you thought, oh, it's, it's, it's this, or oh, it's that, or oh, I bet that's going to happen. But no, completely you didn't did not. Guess the, you didn't guess... Did not get that, right, no. Okay. No, so that was quite interesting. I guess I, I wonder how much we can go into on this one. This might be a really short podcast, because I, I wonder how much detail we can go into for those that who are going, do you know what, I love listening, I love listening to you. And then I go and watch it. And then maybe I listen to you again. I don't think that happens. But um, I wonder if that, you know, I wonder how much we should talk about. Um, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't. We could we could go through the we could go through the broad show. We could go through some of the things that make made us yeah, laugh. Yeah, I wouldn't talk about the ending because I think that's. Well, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. I wouldn't want to spoil that for people. Well, that let's see, let's see how we go. Actually, listen to the podcast. You can tell I plan this meticulously later. before we start <laughs> recording. So yes, you can um, tell I also like the appearance of uh, Arthur the Butler, Who otherwise known as, as in a different film or series of films, Emperor Palpatine. Palpatine. Yeah. Oh my God, that Arise, was amazing. Lord yeah, Vader. I, I can't believe that he was in any other film apart from Star Wars well he did have other roles 
Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I mean, I'm sure he did other films. If you look at the Wikipedia, it's just probably going to say just a series of Star Wars films. But that's fine, because the role of Palpatine is iconic. Um, and I guess it probably would be a spoiler alert listening to you. Palpatine is is back in Rise of the Skywalker. Um, it's not one of those like, oh, you shouldn't really tell anybody. He's in the trailer. The first line of Rise of the Skywalker is, the dead live. Mm. And you're like, okay. Oh, sorry, no, the dead speak. That's the first line. So you're like, right, okay. Hello. So, yeah, Palpatine's in it. Um, yeah, he plays a very low-key uh, in low this. Low-key? He's not playing low-key. <laughs> very good. Uh, Who plays low-key? Um, Tom Hiddleston. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, Michael Caine is a very successful con artist um, that's operating on the town of Beaumont sur mer He's got his... Very nice accent. Um, uh, <laughs> he is... Um, he's uh, aided and abetted by the police chief, who is Anton Rogers. Um, he has a whole network of people that, that are helping him with his scams. Usually involves him... Uh, the first one is just the scam he always seems to use, which is he sits at the, um, the roulette table. Uh, he plays the roulette. He looks like he's run out of money. Whispers to the police chief and go, says... Um, can you cash this for me and takes his ring off and the, the police chief goes oh not the royal ring your majesty and he's like oh like the, and anyway skulks off he sits he's sitting next to the target which is usually a rich uh rich woman lots of time on her hands not attached with anyone and basically they think he's the, the king and he needs some money for his freedom fighters and basically it's all one big scam and they they all fall for it and you see it you see it happen to multiple women um, and it's very lucrative because mm-hmm. when they're all divvying it up in, in Michael Caine's mansion, um, they all get a slice of it. Emperor Palpatine gets a slice. Um, Anton <laughs> Rogers from Fresh Maybe Fields gets a slice. that's how he funded his uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. underworld. <laughs> well, yes. You had to build those ships somehow. <laughs> oh, they're there at the start of the film. Oh, okay. Seriously. Anyway, you came and saw it with me. <laughs> right. anyway. uh, I must say, though, Anton Rogers has got the most amazing fake sort of a low a low French accent. Did you did you think yeah, that? Yeah, well, I and guess then, I didn't. And then no, I guess part I didn't. of the film, it kind of just talks English. It's really funny. I was like, oh, he's not in character. Oh, he is in character. Oh, he's not actually supposed to be English. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anton Rogers can do anything. He's, he's great. He's fantastic. It um, was quite, quite funny, though, because this is like... We talk... We, well, in my line of work, obviously, that we talk about... For those who are just joining, uh, can you say what you do? For those that, that, that listen, I bet you can't wait for the auditing Ooh, mistakes in yeah. this film. <laughs> well, I, I do audits for information security, basically. Um, ISO 27001, to be mm. precise. Anyway. Um, A global, global standard. So It is global it, standard. It's across yeah. the world. It yeah. is, yes. Although right. I don't go across the world. Although that might be nice from time to time. Anyway, veering off... Um, yeah, we don't never veer off. Really, do we? No, I mean, you know, fresh fields. I've, I've even got like the scenario hits. Fresh fields, basically based British, a British television sitcom about a middle-aged, middle-class married couple who live in barns in London. Where is that? London. Yeah, but where's but where in London? Barns. I've never in a barn. 
Bur no, Barnes. It's Borough of Richmond upon Thames. Thank you. That was what Thank I asked, you. rather than the Barnes where the owls live. Anyway, the middle class couple live in a converted barn. As I was saying, the link between the job that I do, which is about um, information security, and you know, part of that is looking at you know emails, social engineering, so that they can grab hold of identity and basically scam you electronically. This is like three steps back. It's like social engineering eighties style. Yeah, it's just it? well, it is. And it, it was just like quite amazing how. How they could... All these trigger words is basically, and the woman's going, oh, can I find out who he is? No, 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 you mustn't know who he is. And they're, they're constantly, the more that they push them away, the more inquisitive they get. Oh, yeah, and the, the, more, the more they want to and like, going, be I can't, a part I of can't it. talk about this. Yeah. I can't, you know, and it's basically like, but, okay, will this oh, help? Oh, you want another mission? Yes, yeah. I can't talk about it. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's quite... Oh, and another way it's dated is when he hands out all the money, he then goes, and now I must go on the train to Zurich. To deposit his share. He has to go on the train. That's why he's on the train. Oh, I didn't realise that. I yeah. thought he was doing a job. No, because he's carrying his briefcase full of money. Oh. So he goes to Zurich, he goes to the bank, he deposits his, his thing, and then yeah. No, no electronic some, transfers. Keeps some petty cash. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure there were electronic transfers, but for some reason he, he wants to do it this way. They probably took about 30 days to uh, administer. Or something. Well... <laughs> Anyway, on the train, he sits next to Steve Martin, who is who is also a con man. He found this out pretty quickly. Um, uh, he's just great. He has a story about his, like, you know, dying grandmother and he needs money for an operation. So he does, like, little bit scams where people pay for his... Uh, people pay for his food. So the person, the woman on the train is going, oh, your, your grandmother, is, is there anything? Yeah, I'm trying to save up for it. And, you know, I haven't got enough. And just wants she tap needs an water. operation, yeah. She yeah. went, oh, waiter, get any, get anything this man wants. And oh, he goes, works Great, for the I, Red Cross, can I four, he? Can I have four waffles, two pancakes, three steaks, <laughs> some potato chips and, and some Coke? Yeah, do you, and three beers. I want a beer know, for the lady, yeah. Absolutely, he's worked it all out. <laughs> anyway, they get in a carriage. Um... He basically says that uh, he's working the uh, this this area at the moment. So Michael Caine goes, "Do you know what? I I think I need to take you out of the picture um, because you look like you're going to be this low level con man is going to be picking up all the the scraps." I was going to say, I think one of the things that he says is to Anton Rogers when he gets rid of Steve Martin. Because how he gets rid of Steve Martin, he makes a call from the train in 1988. Yes, that's what I thought. Did they have phones on trains? No, they didn't. Because he said, oh, excuse me, while I, I must go and phone my wife and children. And the train wasn't even stationary. Okay, can you make a call on a train now without your mobile? I don't think have, so. Have you ever been able to make a call on a train? Well, I don't know. I've never made... I've, I've, I've ridden trains a lot and you can't In Europe, calls. though? Yeah, but still, I mean, train phones on trains... Did they have phones on trains? Back if you do in the, know, if you do know that, is it supposed to be looking. set in the eighties, or is it set in the? Yeah, set in the eighties. It's all like it dated, the, the Ferrari dates it. So yeah, you okay. know it's set in the eighties. Right, I'm gonna um, ask. Anyway, Google. they make a call from the train, um, and they basically call for this woman who gets on and says, "Oh, um, you know, I'm here on my own. She, you know, she's beautiful and." Um, and basically, Steve Martin goes, oh, I think I'll stay on the train. So he stays on. Michael Caine goes, jobs are good. And, and he says to Anton Rogers, who'd sorted this all out, um, 
A poacher that shouts at rabbits. Oh, but a poacher that shoots at rabbits might scare, scare the big game away. Easy for you to say. Thanks very much. A poacher that shoots at rabbits may scare scare the big game away. <laughs> okay. Still can't do it. So basically, get rid of him so that I can carry on. Anyway, um, Michael Caine's going about his business the next day. He hears Steve Martin doing his grandmother story again. And basically sort of follows him around. So Michael Caine goes, well, enough of this. Um, he scams this beautiful lady that has a Ferrari. Um, obviously is then going, you might want to put your phone away for this next bit because it's pretty good. Um, he scams he scams the woman in the Ferrari by saying the grandmother story. Next thing you know, he walks out of the hotel, jumps in her Ferrari. Yes. So he's obviously with her. He's obviously scammed her. It's obviously a bigger target than a woman giving him a few beers on a yeah. train. Yeah. Right. He then goes on a shopping spree on a montage. Are you ready for some trivia? The music that he that they used for the montage for Steve Martin going into Louis Vuitton and use basically using her credit card and her money is the theme to Fresh Fields. Oh, how funny! I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. Did you know that? Yes, one? I did. I did know that. I, I couldn't remember the series, obviously. So oh I've already proved God, that I couldn't you're do. You're such a boffin. But I'm kind of like that's pretty cool. But obviously, I didn't want to stop. We don't talk. The way that we watch the films, we do Hang not... On. when was Fresh Films... Fresh Films? Oh, God, Fresh you've got Fields. me doing it. When no, did... 86? Right, let me... 86 let me or 85? Do I have to keep stopping this while you go on your phone? No, no, no. We can just do the... Carry on. Okay. All right. Um, so, basically, following him, so unbeknownst to him, in order for him to get rid of him, the police chief actually has the woman in the back of the car and... She is viewing all of this. She's basically using, seeing Steve Martin going and um, taking all her money. So she goes, arrest him. I want him arrested. Um, first it, first episode, Freshfields, 1984. 84. Final episode, 1986. Oh, right, okay. Well, wasn't, so no, this film was in 1988. Exactly, yeah. Oh, maybe he requested the, the theme tune. Anyway, there's another piece of trivia coming up. So oh, one of the things is... Can't that, wait. Yeah, one of the... Um, when Steve Martin and Michael Caine on the train, Steve Martin introduces himself and Michael Caine goes, Hi, I'm Lawrence Jameson. Yes. Yeah. Well, when he's in the... Anton Rogers is talking to him and to Steve Martin when he's arrested him and he's in jail. He said, is there anyone that can help you? And Steve Martin's going, Oh, yep. Oh, oh I yeah. can remember the yeah. name. Um, Fred... Fred... Famison. No, wait a minute. Lawrence... Jamie... Jamie Fredrickson. Right, and he's just coming out with all of this stuff. That whole scene was improvised, was and it? basically Frank Oz had had a, uh, knew that it was good, he was going to improvise it and had a stick off camera. And when he was ready, he poked Anton Rogers when he thought the improvisation's gone on far enough. And Anton Rogers gave Steve Martin a look as if to go, uh, and that, that's why Anton Rogers goes, Lawrence Jameson. He goes, yes, yes, that's it. So he basically let him carry on with that so that's one of the things that oh. so when you see that that's just totally made up on the spot oh that's amazing yeah I'm full of these do you like the addition to a little I bit do. of trivia yes. because I mean I don't put it in as much I do have all this stuff in my head and what's quite nice is you don't tell me until we do the podcast absolutely so it's all completely a surprise do you want another bomb this another film bomb. This, another, <laughs> another bomb. bomb another bomb <laughs> no, no. another bomb um, 
another piece of trivia. This film was originally going to star Mick Jagger and David Bowie. No way. I mean it. That is it's just... It's absolutely true. And wait non- a minute. That's nonsense. I have actually prepared this because, uh, he says... Um, that would never work. Two singers. This is what Wikipedia... This is what... Um, it says, two singers fresh off the collaboration with Dancing in the Street wanted to do a movie together. Jagger, who found the screenwriter's uh, first produced screenplay, Ruthless People. Do you remember Ruthless People? Bette Midler and uh, Danny DeVito. No. No, they kidnapped. They basically pretended to be kidnapped. Anyway, to be brilliant, that they suggest that he write a script for them. So the writer, Light Bedtime Story which does the original film that you want the scoundrels is based on. And basically, he did it. And he thought up ways to allow Jagger's character to sing in the movie without turning it into a musical. Eventually, the screenwriter told Jagger and Bowie wanted a more serious project. So they ditched the idea, but he'd written, he'd written the script. How funny. For them. With them in mind. So did... Oh, wait a minute, the last bit. In 92, Bowie expressed displeasure about not getting to do it. He went, how about them apples? Mick and I were a bit tweezed, sort of thing that Bowie would say, that we lost out on a script that could have been reasonably good, he told Movie Lion. There you go. Wow. So, yeah, I can't see it working. That would never have worked. It would never have worked. I mean, they're a good partnership when they sang together, but I mean... They'd have just ponced around in, like really dated 80s suits and it wouldn't have worked well who would have been who who, who would have been the posh I, like no. Michael Caine character I couldn't have I couldn't have seen Jagger well, Michael being Caine, that Michael Caine Mick Jagger would have to be the Steve Martin character and David Bowie would have to be Lawrence Jameson or Fredrick Fredrickson ah cause, yeah because Bowie has actually appeared in other movies he has he's been so very good in some he films was quite a good he actor, gets, he gets slated in some films yeah there was somebody that two days ago, and I was—I've been at um, uh, when I was at work. They said, oh, "I'll rewatch June," and I'm like, "June," and everyone thinks that David Bowie was in June, and I couldn't remember whether he was or not. And I don't know why I started this line because I still don't know if he was in June. <laughs> but I remember Sting was, and I think people are getting confused that David—that David Bowie was. Anyway. He was in Labyrinth, I know that much. And Absolute Beginners. Um, anyway, so, let's go back, but going back to the film, basically, Michael Caine uh, says, if you give me um, 5,000, I can negotiate with the police chief. Makes it look as if he's just negotiating with him, when in reality, they're both in cahoots with each other. And basically said, if you give them 5,000 francs, they'll, they'll go. And they, they, he basically said, right, okay, fine. Uh, and he goes, but the condition is you've got to get on the plane, you've got to go back to America. On the plane, he meets the woman that Michael Caine scammed at the start of the film. And she said, I saw, I saw His Highness put you on the, on the plane. Are you one of the people, the freedom fighters that I'm helping? So Steve Martin basically gets to hear about the scam that yeah. Michael Caine's been doing. Yeah. Goes back to Beaumont Sumer and goes, don't be coming with all of this. I know what's going on. And Michael Caine goes, right, okay, what's your price? And he says, if my price is, I want in on your scams. He, I want no, you he, to teach he me. He wants all of this. And basically yeah, he wants, he wants, he wants the, the mansion. He wants a swimming yeah, pool yeah. and all this. So Michael Caine agrees to, agrees to um, train him. Mm. And does. And that's a good little montage 
of him trying to teach Steve Martin. Anyway, um, yeah, from there, the film goes into... I mean, I love the bit. Oh, I must they just say, the, though, have we got to the beach bit? Where Steve Martin's on the beach? Oh, in his trunks? Yeah, that's... Have we gone past that? That's the Fresh Fields montage. Oh, oh that's horrific. Yeah, well, it's deep, yeah. That's really not a good thing to see. If Steve Martin in trunks floats your boat, then you're going to like. But they're this not film. proper trunks; they're like eighties tanga briefs, <laughs> you know, with the elastic that goes all the I way would, around. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't like know, elastic band, any. and they don't really leave much to the imagination. Mm. And they're red and black, and that's really not the colour for him. Mm. Anyway, Michael Caine comes up with a new scam, which is instead of fleecing people at the casino, he then. Um, does a sort of a similar thing but then gets the women to, and says oh we should be married and the women go oh that's that's wonderful yes absolutely <laughs> and he goes yes but you need to uh, meet my brother Ruprecht <laughs> I just just come to my notepad and poor thought Ruprecht that, oh my god that's all you need to put yeah because Ruprecht is uh, is I mean, there is no trivia on this because it, it is just a character that I, I bet in the script it just went, as you've just done, you've written down Ruprecht. If you give Ruprecht to Will Ferrell, for example, and say, come up with the character Ruprecht, he would just, you can imagine he'd come up with something absolutely <laughs> hilarious, as, as most, most comedians would interpret them differently. Steve Martin was obviously said, Ruprecht is his slightly weird troubled <laughs> you know um, brother in inverted commas um, just run with it just do something with it and how Steve Martin deals with it is just great I don't think we can really describe I don't think we really describe it he did basically Michael Caine goes oh we, we have to keep him in a secure room <laughs> opens up the room locked locked away locked away <laughs> playing with his pots and pans <laughs> right and um, and basically it's just like um, oh, I mean, I have just written Ruprecht. I mean, oh, literally, funny. because it's just that, that <coughs> when you when you watch it, Steve Martin plays this character, and it's a great character in a list of many good Steve Martin characters, and it's all a big scam designed to put the the woman off to go. Oh, well, I can't possibly marry you because Ruprecht scares me to death because he's, he's one of these things. Um, you know. He goes to hug the women, for example, and it's just like, and then suddenly he's like taking them one way and taking the other. And Michael Caine goes, Ruprecht, <laughs> don't let me administer the genital cuff. And then suddenly oh God, he runs, he runs out. Horrendous. As in like, wait a minute, what's the genital cuff? Who came up with that? Because that's brilliant. <laughs> um, anyway, one of the things you would have heard in the trailer, you would have heard Ruprecht. He would have got Ruprecht in the trailer. And one of the best gags in the film is in the trailer. Because he's sitting at the dinner table and he goes, Excuse me, may I go to the bathroom? And he goes, Yes, of course. And he pauses and he looks up in the sky and about 10 seconds ago, goes by and he goes, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he just, and I remember at the time, the cinema was just went crazy for that line. It was oh just God. fantastic. Anyway, um, Steve Martin gets a bit... Um, uh, upset because in the cut he's not getting any money he's playing this He's you see a montage of him playing Ruprecht in different situations and it's just brilliant um, he doesn't get any money 
So at this point, he goes, right, do you know what? I'm going to go it alone. I'm, do you know what? I think I can do it. I've got all the, the intelligence. And Michael Caine goes, look, we can't both be here. Um, so let's have a bet. Uh, let's find a target and let's find a sum of money to take out the target. The first one that does it will be, will be the winner. And the uh, other one has to leave town. And the other one has to leave town, including Michael Caine. And it's basically, we've got to pack up and we've got to go. Um, at this point, right on cue, a, um, they spot a target. So basically, so a, a woman that's just checking in. She is called... She's Janet, isn't she? Janet Colgate, the soap queen. Mm. And you never know if she's like supposed to be, oh, like from the Colgate Empire, or like the soap queen. And you kind of like, wait a minute, what is what is she rich for? And anyway, so so she's there, and they basically go, right, that's the bet. And that's where it's, that's where the second half of the film kicks in mm. because it's basically them interpreting how they think they're going to do it. Michael Caine starts off doing the roulette and thinking, oh, the tried and tested is going to work again. I'm going to be the king of the freedom fighters. Oh, that is so funny. But Steve Martin, <laughs> suddenly people are going, oh, as if they're being moved. And Steve Martin appears dressed in a Navy general's outfit in a wheelchair. And, and then suddenly all he has is two chips, basically to put down on the table. And he loses, and then he, st- he starts crying, and he, he moves in between Michael Caine and <laughs> and the uh, the target, um, and basically gives a medal and says, "Excuse me, can I get any? Can you ask the gentleman if I can get any money for this?" Just, I'm sorry, sir. And he's like, and then he starts crying as he's moving off and banging into things, and she she then follows him, and Michael Caine goes, "Wait a minute, that scam's not going to work because now we've got this." Um. I think we'll, I think we won't say too much about it because the the, the, the best thing the best thing is just just to see it because mm. the the the, rough, the upshot is is that she follows him and then starts talking to him and he goes oh it's it's an operation for a grandmother and she actually gives him the money for the grandmother's operation not goes, straight away though no 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 well they they have dinner and he basically tells her a sob story and you know. Um, she falls for it and gives him gives him the money, um, and then he said, and she said, well, "What about you? Because you're in a wheelchair." So like, well, well, well it, it's all um, because I was with my wife and we went to, you know, the Piron um, dance dance. Um, I think it was Dance Fever, the show in America, Dance Fever, and then um, when I left, and then I came back and I saw her dancing naked with Danny Terrio, the. Uh, uh, the, the, the presenter and then they had sex and I've never been able to walk since and it's just been a mental thing rather than his legs don't work you know or whatever um, so he says oh and she said well what can I do he said well there's, there is somebody that can help he says and I keep writing to him and it's you know Dr. Emil Schuffhauser <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said how much is the operation and he says 50,000 because that's exactly the money that he has to get out of her Unbeknownst to him, at the table behind, the police chief's listening and is copying all this down. She takes Freddie up to the room and then goes, right, okay, well, I'm going to write the cheque out. So she writes the cheque out to post to Dr. Schuffhauser, which obviously Steve Martin's giving his address or whatever. Um, and she goes downstairs to post it. And then this, um, what do they call them, bellhops? Or the, you know, 
the concierge of the people mm. that says, Dr. Schaffhauser, Dr. Schaffhauser, Dr. Emil Schaffhauser. Michael Caine goes, clicks his finger. And she goes, oh, I can't believe you're actually Dr. Schaffhauser's at the hotel. Mm. And you're there. Oh, do you know all about Freddie Benson? Oh, yes. I'm, and Michael Caine with his, oh, yes, I am aware of it, uh, Freddie Benson. I mean, I can't do accents at all. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> um, but basically went, oh, yes, I, yes I, I've heard of him. I, I know his condition. I, I know that's something, you know, oh, what well, he's here. Oh, well, I'm on holiday. Sorry, I can't help you. Everything that he does to try and put off. And she is falling for it and everything's going. Um, and and I think we'll we'll end the, the description of the film probably on this bit because that's the bit where you see Steve Steve Martin I mean Steve Martin acts with his face. I mean, he acts well. He's a very good actor. He's done some really heavyweight roles. But Steve Martin's face is a bit like Rowan Atkinson's face. Rowan Atkinson could just do something with his face and you will be in fits of laughter because you're just imagining what's going on in his head in order to do that. Mm. Steve Martin does exactly the same thing. So Who the doors the open. What, oh, that's thing? Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, did, you, can Jim Ca- yeah well, you can argue yeah. Jim Carrey does the same. I mean, there are a lot of people that didn't like Jim Carrey in the, no. in the 90s. I know you were one of them. Oh, I, I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought he was, I mean, God, the pleasure, you know, the film going pleasure that he gave. Um, the cable but the cable guy is Jim Carrey's best film by the way not anyway, Dumb and Dumber you need to go and check that out I, I laugh more at the cable guy than I do at Dumb and Dumber oh okay because uh, Matthew Broderick's in it as well oh, and so Fer- one of your favourite Ferris Ferris is in it um, so Steve Martin at this point this is where you start to in a montage of clips where you go Steve Martin is a comedy genius you can't leave this out and I think I have seen bits where they talk about Steve Martin and they always go back to, you know, the man with two brains and the jerk, you know, maybe little the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. But they always come back to this scene because the scene is just perfect. The doors open and she goes, what's... And he's like, did you post the letter? And she goes, no, even better. What's the one thing that you'd like to see now? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Oh, God, no, I love surprises and all this sort of thing. She goes, Dr. Emil Schaffhauser. <laughs> And Michael Caine walks in and just like looks at him, and Steve Martin's face is just a picture, as in like, oh, busted. Yeah. Oh no, what happens now? And he goes, oh, so you have, you have no feeling in your legs. Do you mind if I just do a few tests? So he wraps it up and he's, he starts. He starts tickling it, his feet. Tickling his feet, and you've got Steve Martin doing that sort of holding his, holding his fingers against his face, as if like in deep thought, rather than, I can't laugh. So he's trying not to laugh, and he's like, "No, okay." Uh, and he goes, "Oh, okay." Goes to the um, the flower bit and takes out what what is just like a bamboo stick. It's isn't like it? a metal stem for like the flower. A stem thing. <laughs> Rolls up Steve Martin's trouser legs. Oh, and uh, yeah, just like just goes to. I mean, just starts down. slowly, but then it's 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 he's, he's hitting this thing, and Steve Martin. <laughs> the the PS de resistance is he takes like a running. Kind of like leap at him, doesn't he? From like yeah. the other side of the room, and his room's the, massive. The other room, yeah. And he literally runs towards him and then thwacks him. <laughs> You're like, how unearthly! Obviously, he's not actually hitting him, but if he was no. to hit him, and he had to pretend that it didn't hurt, oh my god! You, you will. Um, if you don't laugh at that scene, then I don't don't know who you are, because it's just. Well, you don't know who you are. I know who I am. 
No. <laughs> it's a figure of speech. Okay. It's. I mean, I don't know who you are. I know who Neil is because I think I follow him on LinkedIn. I think I'm an associate with him on LinkedIn. Oh, are you kind of business friends on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Um, one thing that I wrote down on the on the, as a quote is: "Know your limitations. You're a moron." What was that? When was That's that? That's in the trailer as oh, well. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I think it was when they were at the dinner table or something. Oh, there's a, there's, again, there's a lot of things in this that... Right, for example, if you were to go and watch John Hughes' John Hughes's film, 16 Candles, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty much his first film, right? I, obviously, you know this, but this time last year, I was probably about a week away from going to the John Hughes movie marathon in Birmingham. Mm. Which had sixteen candles, Breakfast Club. Sorry, in order, sixteen candles, Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller, all finishing at half two in the morning, all starting at six o'clock at uh, six o'clock at night. I had people sat behind me, and one of them, you know, they were their early twenties, and the guy said he was a teacher, and he was just being really nice, and friendly. And he said, "Have you uh, hi? Have you have you seen any of these films?" And I'm like, uh, "Hello." Uh, the, the John Hughes films I mean each one of them I probably I mean Ferris Bueller well over a hundred times so yeah I've yeah I've seen these films he goes oh what are they like I said well I said and I yeah I gave a short I basically said um, Pretty in Pink uh, you'd be rooting for Ducky at the end you won't know what that means now but you will be um, I said Breakfast Club will just knock you for six because it is one of those films that takes you on so many different places I I desperately love that film and then you finish with Ferris Bueller and I said and Ferris Bueller is just a joy I said and you've never seen any of these no I haven't he said now I've come here with my friends and we said you know just so that we can try and just I said this is the perfect way to do it in a, in a crowd you know it wasn't busy busy but you know it was enough it was a an intimate cinema setting I think it was 12 I think it was 15 pound for the whole for all four films bargain yeah absolutely but 16 Candles, at the end of that, he turns. I turned to him, and I, I, I hadn't watched that one for a while. That's dated. That's really dated. And some of the references in that, I mean, if it was put on Netflix now, people, millennials will be just be going mad about it and just going, oh, that's not good. And you, and you can see why, because there's certain bits in it. You just go, the re- where I was going with that is that Breakfast Club hasn't dated. You know, there are there are words in there that we probably wouldn't use now. Pretty in Pink hasn't dated. Ferris Bueller definitely hasn't dated. Sixteen Candles definitely did. With there are bits in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but don't let that put you off because it's it's not that type of film. It's not the film that's designed to go. We didn't care back then. No, it, it's just. A, I, did, I did wonder if we were heading into a chauvinist sort of setting because they did refer to women as the weaker sex. Yeah, that was at the start, wasn't it? Yeah, so, and I and I wondered, mm, okay, how's this going to go? Yeah, are they just going to basically take the the mick out of like women who have got lots of money? Um, and basically, yeah, they do, but you don't necessarily see that element. You just see them getting like money off them. you don't and I think when you step back and look at the film in the whole on the, the whole on the whole then I don't think you'll I don't think, I think you'll see with the, the ending the whole, the, the um, it's yeah I think when I, you'll go back and again. yeah you'll go back and look at it and, and think yeah. do you know what 
it hasn't dated and I can see what Charles was talking about it makes perfect sense I usually do so that's fine um, so yeah at that point I think we should just leave them to it and I think you should go and watch it yeah um, go and enjoy Ruprex I mean if you do want us to you know if you do watch it and then go you know have some questions or some insight or, or things that you really liked there are a succession of f- events and uh, both of these people both Steve Martin and Michael Caine try to outdo each other with different things and then you think well that must be the end of it and no but then there's another twist because Michael Caine gets out of the thing that Steve Martin <laughs> yeah. sets him up for um, oh it's just yeah it's great um, I would I would say it's more Steve Martin's film than Michael Caine's but that's not to take anything away from Michael Caine no, because it doesn't it doesn't work without no, Michael Caine got offered this because Frank Oz said to him, do you want to come and film in the in the French Riviera for six weeks in the summer? Oh, and I'll put you up in the villa. And I think the trivia was, um, it, he was next door to, oh, I did have a look at it, but, um, oh, he was next door to Bob Hoskins or something. Oh, That's Bob Hoskins. Great. And he went, yeah, I'll just go there for the summer. That's fine. Yeah. So I'll just film hang and then in the night, the hang out with my mates. Um, so yeah, I think we'll leave that bit there. Do you want a bit a little bit more trivia? Uh, hang on a minute. I'm just interested. Okay. Palpatine right. had he been in any of the films before this film? Any of the Star Wars films before this yeah, film? Yeah, all three. 1988. He'd actually done his bit then. Well, Palpatine isn't in. We'll put him Pal- on the spot Palpatine, now. no, no. Palpatine's in Return of the Jedi. Obviously, he plays the Empire we, Emperor. We see the Emperor. Yeah. Right. Um, he's digitally put back in into Empire Strikes Back when George Lucas did all his re- rewrites. When he did all his like, I need to change this film and put more CG, CG in it, mm. which is the worst thing ever. I cannot wait for the 4K release of the original Star Wars films, untouched unblemished Ooh. as a director wants him to see controversial oh it's not at all there's plenty there's yes we are the resistance we are the ones that want the original i have the originals um it's just that they're a very poor quality compared to what you've got what you've got now mm. oh yeah do not get me started on no, we won't. but anyway palpatine, so palpatine is basically has established himself as the as one of the major characters in the star wars on the star wars place and then he so, does, goes and does being a butler in this film absolutely and that's really funny isn't it he's good because you look at when you see him on screen for the first time and he doesn't say anything you're like that's Palpatine that's Ian McDonough that's Palpatine and you're like wow okay and then he just plays a butler and you're thinking oh okay that's fine I, I get I get that Maybe he just wanted the holiday in South France as well. Then. I dare say, if you got off the opportunity, where do you want to go? I've got this Arctic movie that I'm, that I'm filming. Or would you like to? Uh... Yeah, or the South of France. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike, here's some more, right, some more trivia to finish with. Go on then. All right, okay. Wait a minute. Um, the. The Crew Didn't Laugh is the title of the trivia. When Michael Caine was asked what the most important lesson he learned in making movies over the decades, he said he had dirty, dirty rotten scandals in mind. If you're doing a comedy and the crew laughs, it's not funny. I did Dirty Rotten Scandals with Steve Martin. 
The crew never laughs once once at anything. Really? It's the funniest film I ever made. How weird. He he that's basically he's like it's a bit like I suppose when I read that it was a bit like you know the forced oh, no, don't, this might be controversial. The forced laughter in I'm a celebrity get me out of here. You know when Anton Deck do their VTs and they do their <laughs> That's bit. not forced. Right, some of them some of those genuine bits are funny. <laughs> but they laugh every single time. And it's always the same person or the same cameraman with his belly laugh that's doing it. And I'm like, I get it. Look, Anton Decker geniuses. I mean, they really are television geniuses at the highest level. Up there with Noel Edmonds. Is that the right term? Genii. <laughs> genies. <laughs> the television genies. Well, they're small enough. Um, Michael Caine asked Frank Oz why they were remaking a commercial flop. Because Bedtime Story didn't do an awful lot I've never heard a bedtime story apart he, from Madonna's I said there'd be no point in remaking a film that had been a success Michael came home oh that's good enough for me alright okay I guess where he's going with that is do you want to see a remake of Jaws alright okay Total Recall do you remember that with Arnold Schwarzenegger is that where his head comes open yeah Sharon Stone a wonderful film and I mean, a wonderful film. I've the probably only with, watched it the once. The remake with Colin Farrell. Never seen it. Appalling. Right, probably why I've never seen it. Okay, great. Um, I don't know, Point Break. Point Break with Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Oh, I loved that film. About as perfect as a 90s film that could be. That was a be. really good film, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, I loved that. The remake? Never watched it. Rubbish. Oh. Don't remake things that are commercially good that people Ghostbusters. have exactly Ghostbusters the remake why did they do that with women what was the what was the point what, because what, why did they need to do that there I, was no need uh, I could see why they were trying to appeal to it you know to a, to an overall different crowd I'm a woman it, I'm not bothered Ghostbusters well, is Ghostbusters it was it's the fact that they they the film was lousy the script was lousy the direction was lousy and how many times are they going to do Charlie's Angels, for God's sake? Yeah, but wait a minute. Before we... <laughs> we didn't mean to end like this, but... Look, Ghost, each of those individual people in Ghostbusters, the remake, are funny. All of them are funny. Melissa McCarthy's funny. Um, oh, I think the, the, the other one. Um, uh, Kate from Saturday Night Live. Kate McKinnon. Funny. All of them are funny. But put them in that film together with that lousy script, and there's no wonder it, you know, died on its behind. I think they were all laughing on set. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope, I hope somebody had some fun in that. <clears throat> Michael Caine has a favourite scene. What is it? Oh, uh... it's one of those films where you're waiting for your favourite bits to happen. He said. For me. It's got to be Ruprex. It's when I'm hitting Steve's knees playing Dr. Schaffhausen. Oh. The, 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 even the, the, the paragraph goes, bursts out laughing. He says, I'm laughing now thinking about it. <laughs> um, and yeah, they did. They, they, uh, it was shot entirely in France. Steve Martin wanted to play, was originally down to play Lawrence. That's how Michael Caine's part. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there were other people in the role to play. It was supposed to be John Cleese and Michael Palin at one point. Oh, that would have worked. That would actually. have really worked. Have John Cleese funny. would have just been. I mean, John Cleese is. All the Pythons are just. It's incredible. Um, so, 
Richard Dreyfus was supposed to be in there. Matthew Broderick. All these names were considered yeah. at some point. Ferris. Ferris could have been in it. Anyway, enough about Ferris Bueller. I don't think... I don't I'd, think he'd have been old enough. I'd love to know. I'd love to... That's not a forgotten film. I would love to do Ferris Bueller. You know I can recite most of the film off by heart. Yes. I know, yeah. Anyway, oh. on that note, mm. we are we're coming up to... Well, we're actually a bit early. We're seven minutes off the hour, so. Oh well, there we go. But I think we should. I think we should just put these poor listeners out of their, out of their misery. We'd love to know if you actually do. I mean, we joke it aside. We do. We would like to know if you genuinely like this, because we love doing it. Yeah. And we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> um, I hope you're going to keep listening, and you know. And be, if you are, and you think you've got some mates that might like it, then yeah, uh, can pass pass over. Absolutely. Let them know. Oh, and then contact us again at Rusted J Pod on Twitter. Uh, we're Rusted Junk um, uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. What are we Rusted on? Rusted J Pod. I Rusted tried to J-Pod. keep it the same. Yeah, yeah, that makes it that continuity makes it better. and all that. You know, be like Neil. Recommend some films. Um, I think Flight of the. I'm not sure. I might have to think about that. I don't know if Flight of the Navigator is forgotten. I think he's right. I think Neil is right. I think it is technically forgotten. It's a bit like batteries not included. Do you remember that? For those listening at home, it's... It's got robots. Uh, yes, it's got robots in it. And that's, that's as much as I can remember. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll add them to the pot then. Yeah, we'll add them to the pot. Um, I think we are going to do a sci-fi film next, are we? Are we actually finally going to do Leviathan? Where the title of the podcast gets its name from. Is that, the, is that what it's called? No, Leviathan is the name of the film, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fine then. He even says this in the credits to the podcast. <laughs> Currently it's rusted junk and I'm looking at it. That's no, 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 I know that bit. Yeah. I do remember that. That's what the movie was called. Leviathan. I'm thinking Prometheus. Is that like Aliens? That's like the precursor to Alien, yeah. It's, part it's not of that. that one. It's definitely not Prometheus. I definitely wouldn't be watching that one. I don't. I find those so creepy. All right, okay. Ugh. Oh, crikey. Well, then, don't, never watch Alien Covenant, which I watched. No, won't be. Last, just like the end of last year. Wow. Anyway, um, lovely listeners, we do. We love you all. All, uh, I think we were up to 70. 70? 70. 70. So, do you know what? If you are listening, then I hope you're having a great time. I hope you have a happy year. Is that the way to say it? So, I'm not going to do the thing. I'm just going to have... Do you know what? Have a great year. And you will have a great year because we'll be recording podcasts for your listening pleasure. (laughs) That's so cheesy. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, it was supposed to be. Um... So yes, thank you very much, and we will we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Alrighty, cheers, bye, bye, bye.